this edition of Hoopsology, Justin talks to Sports Illustrated's Robin Lundberg. Robin gets his take on LeBron James' injury and if his injury will hurt the Lakers' title hopes. We also discuss which player can capitalize on LeBron James' injury in the race for MVP. We also talk about the NCAA tournament, NBA top shot, and more. And now, Robin Lundberg. He is the senior host for Sports Illustrated. We welcome you now. Well, Robin Lundberg onto Hoopsology. How's it going, Robin? I'm doing well. How are you? Good, man. Um, lots to discuss with you, so let's not waste any time. Um, as you discuss on Sports Illustrated YouTube channel, LeBron James went down with an ankle injury. And um, myself and my co-host, Matt, um, we were, were taking this injury pretty serious. Uh, I mean, we have to admit, um, we thought that LeBron would just come back in a month's time and just be back to normal. But um, yourselves and, media, and other media members um, seem to be taking this injury pretty serious. So um, in your opinion, how serious is this LeBron um, James ankle injury? And ultimately, do you think this is going to affect him long term? Well, I'm going to use the word significant. I think it's a significant injury because it is. And and we haven't seen that with LeBron too often in his career. In, in fact, I can only think of two instances, this one and the groin injury a couple years back. Now, I, I don't know if this will be as nagging as that was, but you could see it from him, right? I mean, the, the truth is in the way he went down to the floor in pain. And then, you know, we're so used to, as you mentioned, him lacing up his shoes and, and going back in there. And he realized, oh, you know, he was hurt. Not like, uh, you know, not something you could just shake off. He got that double-digit um, point streak, kept that intact, and then he, he walked away frustrated. So I, I think that's number one is clearly LeBron knew it was something that was relatively serious. Now, the, the timeline depends on the, the person, and you would expect he heals faster than most. But the way I put it is, you know, LeBron – feels like he's going to do this forever, right? But he's not. Nobody does. So any portion of his prime that is remaining that is taken is a big deal. And when he comes back, let's say it's four weeks, whatever it is, and the Lakers are in a tailspin and they're, they're you know, falling towards the bottom of the, the playoff standings or even in that, you know, play-in game uh, aspect, he's going to have to, like, hit the ground running. There's no ramp-up period. You want it like, you know, if there was another month, I would say it's actually not that big a deal because at least for the, the outcome of the season. And then there's the other stuff that it influences. I mean, the MVP was meaningful. I, I think that was a, a big deal to him. And now he's not going to win that. So for, for a variety of reasons, I, I do think it, it um, you know, I don't want to be over dramatic about it, but it, it's also like a reminder. Oh, yeah. You know, this this guy's not going to be here forever. Yeah, I think it's something that we just take for granted with LeBron James. I mean, look at his age. Look what he's done. It's really unprecedented in NBA history. Yeah, we just watch the games day by day, and he just keeps performing at an elite level. With this injury, do you see it as kind of like the the tail end of like his career? Is it? I mean, it's hard to say. I know I'm kind of put you on the spot, but since you said it's significant, is this kind of a sign where we may not see the level of play that we're used to seeing from LeBron? I think it was Le- John Miranda had a similar injury and he hasn't really been the same since. Um, do you see um, when LeBron returns, him just not being the same player for good um, until his career is over? I'm not going to say for good. Um, you know, like sometimes with an injury, it takes guys a little while though, or they need a little bit of a, you know, a, you know, a bigger amount of time off. And then the next season, they're fine. But the problem is, if we're waiting until the next season, then LeBron's 37 years old. You know, uh, uh, so 
I wouldn't put anything past the guy. I'm not. I'm not writing his career obituary or anything. Sure. Like that. Uh, but I. I don't think it, it. I don't think people understand. It's not like just a, a little sprained ankle. It's not the kind. You know, he's going to miss. He's day to day. Like it's. It's a real thing that he has to come back from, and, and will take a, a while to be fully back from. That could happen this season by the end of this season, and and it in retrospect feels like no big deal. But uh, I think we do have to recognize. You know, it, it's it, it's not um not minor. And you mentioned this injury opens the door for the MVP race. And with Embiid um, just going through kind of the, the COVID-19 protocols and his injury status, I mean, who is who do you think is now the odds-on favorite to win MVP now that LeBron is hurt? Jokic is probably the, I mean, if you're using that terminology, odds-on, Jokic is the odds-on favorite. He's favored to win the war down. Um, Embiid's back in the race with LeBron out. I don't think LeBron's completely out of it okay. if he beats the timeline. You know, if if it's, let's say, three weeks and the Lakers are awful in three weeks and he misses 10 games, but he still plays every other game the rest of the season, then he could be in it. Uh, Dame is in it. I think James Harden, to me, is now – I he'd be my MVP. Uh, and and I, I think what's happening with Houston is only adding to that case. I, I know people don't look fondly back on the way he got out of Houston, but – they lost 20 straight games. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. for the playoffs, you know, and, and even the championship every year. Yeah. I know he's not the only thing that changed, but come sure. on. I mean, they're they're the only team that made the playoffs every year uh when he was there uh during that that time period. But there's a lot of guys who are worthy. I think Jokic is, is the favorite, and then the the other two I'd I'd watch out for are Harden and Dave. Um, you mentioned um, Damian Lillard just a second ago, and he's been through such a tough 18 months just um, personally, and just yeah, his performance is still at an elite level, and the Blazers and the Nuggets um, have the same record. So I'm just wondering, why isn't Lillard being considered as you know somewhat of a favorite to win MVP? It just seems like he's you know he performing at such a high level, and all the, the personal stuff, that's all the loss he's been through, I think that should be taken into account um, considering his performance, but yet he's not mentioned as a serious contender to win it you know dame is interesting because he's always the guy that i feel is the example i use when i talk about like how good the league is like the league is so good that damian lillard is not even a starter in the all-star game right but the league is so good that damian lillard is not even in the top five players or you know stuff like that so i i think he gets a little um one he plays in portland and is the sort of sole guy there and, and gets a little uh it's a little bit of an afterthought because he hasn't had those runs in the playoffs and, and doesn't have the, the star teammates and isn't in the limelight all the time. But he has a certain degree of respect that comes with that too. And, and I do feel like he's getting his just due now. I, I do. I, I think people are mentioning him in that conversation or at least starting to. And, and, and you hear a lot more just Dame debates or Dame topics than you did in the past. So I think between – it really started in the bubble – Last year, you know, the, when he was the whatever the the, the preliminary thing was MVP yeah. or MVP, <laughs> from, from that point until now, I, I think he he's gotten his his just due. Um, Robin, I want to shift gears and I just want to get your thoughts. Just a general question on the NBA this season. I mean, it's unprecedented. Um, little to no fans, just um, in the stands. What do you make it so far? It's just like it's a fan of just watching basketball. Has it detracted just this season considering the circumstances? What things have stood out to you? Do you think there are things that we see now there are any certain circumstances that you wish can be carried on when like things get back to normal? Yeah. Um, I mean, 
I like I like the play in tournament. I think that's cool. I, I think they'll keep that. I like the Elam ending of the All Star game, though that happened before the pandemic. Um, to be honest, uh, I, I would say this: uh, when when it was all gone, I I tried to be like grounded in, in the sense of I'm not going to call things meaningless anymore. I'm not going to complain so much anymore because you know, we didn't have anything and now we got something and, and I, I'm a realist, right? Like it was never going to be perfect. The bubble, I think worked as well as they could have wanted. Obviously there's no fans after the bubble. They had to do a quick turnaround. Why they have to do a quick turnaround. We all know the revenue, right? Like they yeah. needed, they didn't need, I mean, let's put it this way. It would have been a significant hit if they didn't start the season quickly. Uh, there were going to be, covid protocol absences that's just a fact no matter who's running it that, that was just the way it was going to be there's injuries which were a bummer I, I don't know if i attribute them to the condensed schedule or not because lebron's injury like that wasn't a wear and tear injury that was no. somebody yeah. ran into his leg exactly Lonzo ball broke his wrist i mean those yeah. aren't really wear and tear injuries so i mean is it a perfect season no it hasn't been a perfect season but i i think uh it's been it, it's been uh, good in the sense of the, the star power and, and so getting some guys back, like Steph Curry being back. And, and then I think the Nets, to be honest, have, have carried a lot of the, the interest this year because they're a new, fresh chapter. And what do you make of Brooklyn? It seems like they started out hot with the James Harden trade and um, just the whole Kyrie Irving controversy kind of earlier in the season in terms of picking up the headlines. But it seems like, I don't know, to me, it's kind of died down in terms of their media attention. Um, do you think once the playoff spot, they'll have the pressure to win the championship? Is it basically a championship or a bust? Or do you think they'll be given like a year grace period, you know, facing tough teams like Philly or Milwaukee? Oh no, you don't get the grace period nowadays. I mean, look, I think when you um comes with the territory, I, yes. I would say, you know, they got to win a title in the window. Like if they if they lose this year and then they win next year, ultimately it's going to be okay. But it ain't going to change anything in the meantime or the jokes are going to fly. And I think they will win the title. I mean, I, I think the LeBron injury helps that. I, I think, you know, just the talent. I, it, people want to do all these complex, you know, diatribes about they got James Harden, Kyrie Irving, Kevin Durant on the same team. And and that's not it. You know, like they're not even that thin anymore now that they, you know, have Nick Claxton and Blake Griffin and uh, Jeff Green and Bruce Brown and uh, Joe Harris. I mean, they, they got to go crew deep and they'll probably get better uh, at the trade deadline here considering they have exceptions. They have Spencer Dinwiddie they can move. So I, I think uh, – Yes, the pressure is on them to win. Anything but a championship will be seen as a failure, even if it's one they can rectify later by winning a championship. But I also think they will win the championship. And I want to just ask you in terms of kind of the bottom teams, um, well, you mentioned the play-in tournament earlier. Um, how does that play into the trade deadline? Because I think in normal circumstances, um, since there wasn't a play-in tournament, we maybe see more moves or less moves, excuse me. But now that there is a play-in tournament, more teams are in it. Um, so do you see any more uh, like unusual movement um, headed towards the trade deadline? Or do you think it's going to be business as usual? I think the NBA has become a league where there's always going to be movement. Uh, there's always going to be some degree of, of chaos. And, you know, uh, you, I mean, you had Aaron Gordon has requested a trade, right? Like, so there, I mean, and, and not that he's the best player in the league, but that's a pretty good player yeah, who, who yes. likely is going to move, right? <laughs> at, at this point in time, 
I mean, so between free agency, the draft, the, the trade deadline, I, I think you, you tend to see action in the NBA. I mean, we already saw James Harden move earlier this year. It feels like a long time ago now, but James Harden was traded. <laughs> and so the uh, deadline spur action, I mean, uh, to your point, that makes sense. If you, you know, feel like, I, I think if you're a manager though, or, or a general manager, you have to, to take the 30,000 foot view. I'm not, I'm not worried about whether I have a chance to be in the play in tournament this year. I'm worried about what's best for the franchise overall. So that would be what's dictating my move. Um, shifting gears, I want to get, get your opinion of the NCAA tournament. Tons of upsets. Uh, what do you make of the tournament so far? I, I mean, it seems like every year there's upsets, but, you know, since the circumstances are what they are nowadays, it seems like a lot of this, the, the shocking um, results that we've seen is being blamed on that. Uh, do you think does the conditions has anything to do with the amount of upsets that we're seeing now? Or do you think this is the nature of the tournament? We're going to see these kinds of upsets no matter what conditions is happening. Both. Uh- and not just because of the tournament, because the college basketball season was strange. Yeah. Uh, it had all these stops and starts for teams. Duke wasn't in the tournament yeah. for the first time since 1995. Kentucky wasn't yeah. in the tournament, right? So these t- powerhouse teams weren't there. Uh, th- that's one thing. Yeah, and then the format of the tournament just lends itself to it. I mean, there's I always say there's two formats that work every time, the, the NCAA tournament and the Royal Rumble in, in <laughs> WWE. Like, it just doesn't matter who's in it. It's just the yeah. format that's going to work. Uh, I think, you know, it, it suffers a little bit not having those a dupe type team that that brings in casual people as the tournament goes along. Because one thing I think that March Madness is different than other sports is the interest actually is a decrescendo rather than a crescendo. I think it's at its highest at the beginning and then it wanes a little bit as it goes along because people's schools are out, their brackets are busted. And, and if there's not, you know, a, a big national story to, to latch on to do you care so much when Oral Roberts is playing Houston, right? I don't even know if they're in the same, you know, but you get my point. Yeah, exactly. And and, uh, I think that's part of it, but it's, uh, you know, it's still fun when it's happening in the midst of it. I mean, there's always these things about college basketball versus the NBA. I mean, obviously the NBA is a superior product as as far as the uh, level of play, but there's just something, you know, you're kind of being really cynical outside of the the bigger debate around you know it being a huge big business and the the, the participants not getting paid sure. but as a, a sports fan it's kind of cynical if you're not like you know you don't enjoy parts of of the chaos of march madness and, and what do you make of just the, the recent controversy just with the women's tournament going on in San Antonio with the weight room? It just seems like that was a easy remedy that was just a massive oversight um does it point to just kind of the inequality with, with women's and men's sports or do you think it was just kind of just an oversight on on the women's tournament side because it just seems pretty obvious that you just give the the women's tournament all the athletes they're just the same weight room it's not hard even if they're struggling for money they have sponsors i mean it's just it seems like an easy solution I, i'm just wondering how was that oversight even made in the first place well it, they didn't think they would get i don't want to say caught they didn't think it would be a thing they, yeah. they thought nothing of it that that's one it also it all comes back to the same thing it's a farce you know the whole system is a farce because it's a big business right like if this were the pro level and i don't want to just say wnba versus nba because that makes it a man woman thing too so let me say the nfl against the cfl if the nfl had better accommodations than the cfl you would understand that right like it makes a lot more money but in this instance these are supposed to be student athletes um you know 
and I, I understand everything. Everybody understands that the football team and the men's basketball team are the ones that bring in the bulk of the money. But if you're evaluating it and, and dispersing it, like you should be under the premise of it being, you know, an athletic program for all students and facilities for, for all students, then there's no reason at all for the, the disparity. It just makes it look, look even worse. Than it would. I mean, even if I, you know, if I were running a a, a pro program that had everybody in the same place, I, I would want everybody to have access to the same thing just to be like, do right. But in this case, it, it's even worse because you're you're not talking about pros. You're talking about quote unquote student athletes, and I, I think a lot of that always goes back to, um, you know, the the the, the giant farce that these universities are institutes of higher learning, and that the NCAA is is some you know, amateur <laughs> organization. Yeah. Ridiculous. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I just want to get your thoughts, Robin, on discovering sports in the pandemic as a whole. How hard has it been or easier has it been in terms of access to athletes? And what are things that once things get back to normal, you would like to kind of stay around that um, was implemented um, during kind of this time? Well, I think we all learned we could work from home, right? I didn't think I could do my job from home. Uh, so, not that I always want to only do it from home, but the the idea of, oh, okay, where you're not in the studio now doesn't mean you can't do something. Um, I think that's one thing. It also makes it easier to to book, uh, you know, or or get a hold or, you know, happy. You know, I can come on this show, right? Pretty easy. Just fired up. I don't have to, like, go anywhere. Sure. Um, and stuff like that, I, I think, is here to stay. Uh, it's tough. I mean – when there was no sports, I, I was coming out with content every day. I did it. Um, I think we all developed a little bit of a general sense of anxiety during this time period too, though. You know, you're trapped kind of, yeah, you know, like um, it'll be, it'll be interesting to see what the world looks like as it's opening back up, you know, how much of it is changed permanently, how much of it is more of what we remembered it to be. And I don't have, I don't have all those answers. I, I think definitely people learn that remote work is possible and, and it can be efficient. Um, and then at, at the same time, you know, there's something to one-on-one human interaction. You know what I think is missed is like those little conversations that you might have that might spark an idea, right? Like not the, what you're doing in the show prep every day, but you bump into somebody from the other department in the hallway and you're, you know, Oh, that makes me think about this. Boom. You know, like, that thing that you can't get. Cause some of these people I haven't seen, you know, some coworkers like this whole time, <laughs> you know, like, yeah. unless you're in, like an all hands meeting, you, you're, you're dealing with the, the people that you work with intimately sure. on, on a day to day basis. So, and you know, at, at some point you also get just tired of zoom calls. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's, uh, you know, we're, we're all doing this for the first time. Yeah. For sure, a new frontier. Um, I want to ask you one last question before I let you go, Robin. Uh, what do you make of the NBA top shot phenomenon? This is kind of came out of nowhere. At least it wasn't on my radar until mm-hmm. just a few weeks ago, and yet it's kind of taking you know social media and I've seen it on a lot of um, some national stories on it. Do you think this is this kind of like a fad, or do you see this being kind of a mainstay and kind of not only just the NBA but other just some um, sports and entertainment mediums? Uh, it's cool. You know, I, you know, I got my first pack. Um, I, I, I think it's cool. It's like a community. Um, 
the interface is cool, the way they deliver it. And then like the idea, you know, I, I know um, people said, why would you do this when you can just look up the highlight online? A lot of these plays you're not thinking to look up, right? Like it's not like, you know, this is, you're not looking up, you know, LeBron dunking on Jason Terry. You're, you already know that one's there. But the, these are like plays that were more mundane but are still cool. Um, and it, it's capitalizing on new technology and and obviously there's a demand for it right now i'm i'm i don't is it cool enough where i'm going to drop 10 grand on (laughs) on a thing that shows up on my computer i probably not but uh i do i do like it i do like it and and i do see the appeal in it now that i've like um tinkered around with it a little bit yeah it's pretty cool and just once i i I just uh, got over just the speculation because I had those same thoughts of like, you know, I can just find these highlights on YouTube for free. But just seeing the interface, just the community, the interactivity, and also the collection of these timeless highlights. I mean, we're, it hasn't even got into the historical, um, I guess, players of the league as well. Um, do you kind of see it like kind of taking over? You mentioned time to Royal Rumble. I can see like a WWE like kind of top shot or like a UFC. They think they already have a deal with the UFC as well. Um, and I've noticed that NFL has kind of, kind of gotten into NFTs as well. Um, I think I even saw a tweet on Twitter saying that um, it used to be like a sports center top 10 moment whenever there's a top highlight. Now it's kind of like NBA, it's been replaced with NBA top shot. Do you see that kind of being in the lexicon of kind of, you know, sports fans on social media um, instead of just looking for, you know, those highlights on just regular television. Now people are going to be looking for those as collectibles potentially. Yeah. As long as they don't screw it up. I mean, they've they've had a lot of like you know false starts with their launches and everything, and they yeah. keep saying they're in beta mode. You can't just have your product not work. Yeah, <laughs> you know, that's the work. That's the work. But yes, uh, I I think uh, in general, yes, I, I'm a fan, and and I think it's cool, and, and I don't think it's necessarily a fad. Robin, uh, thank you very much for joining the show. Um, please let our listeners and viewers know where they can find you on social media, and as what what do you have upcoming this year in terms of projects or anything else you're working on. Well, at Robin Lundberg, you can see it right there is my Twitter handle. On Instagram, it's the Robin Lundberg because Robin Lundberg wasn't available. I don't know. Um, but uh, I uh, every Monday through Friday, I'm, I'm at SI and uh, doing video and and some articles. Um, and then I also do the Robin Lundberg show, which is Saturday mornings on CBS Sports Radio, six to ten a.m. Eastern. That's nationally syndicated. Uh, the podcast, uh, Full Court on Flatbush, it's a Brooklyn Nets podcast I do with Kerry Kittles for the New York Post. That's available wherever you know you grab your podcasts, like it, it says on the bottom of the screen here. Um, and you can grab that. That comes out on Wednesdays. And then I, I, yeah, I also do some, um, some radio with uh, Mad Dog Radio on Sirius XM as well. Cool. Well, thank you very much, Robin. Um, appreciate your insight. And um, hopefully we'll talk to you again. Thanks a lot for your time. Appreciate it. You got it. Have a good one. Thanks for listening to the show. As always, you can get in touch with the podcast through email with hoopsologypod at gmail.com. Also, we are on all social media platforms. Please leave us a review on iTunes and check out our YouTube channel.